Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Saladcast for this season. Um, welcome back, Glenn. How are you doing? I'm okay, yeah. I think you're, you're going to notice that myself and our, our guest this week are a little bit groggy after a night out last night. But um, I, I did say to someone on Saturday that drinking is the only thing making this season enjoyable at the moment. And I think that's probably a fair reflection. So possibly not quite so much. And I would be in better order on a Sunday night. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we get on. There's only one game to cover this week. I think we'll probably hack it. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll get through it quite quickly. Um, I'm already getting ready for next season, Glenn. Um, I've lined up a guest for next season, um, a guy called Edward Walker. He's an expert right. on League Two football. Oh, Holly, given up already? We're only seven games in. I'm not sure, <laughs> sure we should be giving throwing the tarot quite yet, but it does feel like that at the moment, doesn't it? But yeah, always yeah. good to have these things lined up, isn't it? And um, yeah, we're joined uh, this week by my brother, Mike. So yeah, back on the podcast for about the tenth time now, I think. So yeah, my head's not great at the moment, but you, you're, you're feeling all right at the moment, mate. Uh, yeah, I think I, I maybe had a couple less than you last night, so it's all right. But like you say, you've got to have a little drink after these games to kind of get yourself through it a little bit. It sounds like a bit of a dependent. But no, it's um, yeah, it's great to be back on. And if Ollie's got an expert lined up for next season, it's nice that you have a complete non-expert lined up for today. So, <laughs> Well, Ollie, it's funny Mike mentions that because uh, when we were out last night, we went to the Yorkshire House um, in town, which is uh, like a metal music pub. Not normally my scene, but it was one of our friends' birthdays. I think I mentioned him last week, Tim Clackott. And we went in there and there was a guy with the one of the Town retro shirts on. And obviously it had a few, you know, in a merry mood. I said, did you go to the game today? And he stopped there, didn't he? Um, Mike was there. And he stopped dead. He looked at me and went, I know you. You're, you're Glenn Price of the podcast, and, and uh, we were a bit like, oh, this is a bit weird, and uh, Mike was having none of it, and um, however, he was an avid listener, so we would say hello to him, just appreciate, you know, listeners sort of thing, and it was, it was quite a funny moment, but the best thing about it was, he clearly listened enough to the podcast, Ollie, because when I introduced Mike, he said, oh, I like you, you're the one that doesn't know anything about League One, which from our pre-season predictions was exactly what he said, Ollie, so yeah, nice to meet yeah. you listen last night, and uh, he, he got us bang to rights, didn't he, Mike? Can, yeah, I, I was I was really gutted when he said, "Oh, you know," it was almost like a fan coming up to you. I was like, "We're not going to get Glenn out of the pub. His head's going to be too big for the door." But um, yeah, can you remember his name, Glenn? There's a big test. Sam. His name was Sam. Yeah. There, there we you go. go. Yeah. I remembered. Yeah, so, yeah. Thank, nice guy. Yeah. yeah, there we go, Ollie. So that was it. So we, we, you know, occasionally we get these weird little moments, don't we? Which are quite quite funny as someone that's uh, got a bit of a recognisable voice, I suppose. Sometimes now when you're out and about, but let's focus back on the football, Ollie, because in the agenda you've got. I'm in, Ollie's doing the introduction. We'll talk about our mo- moment meeting Sam last night, and then the key phrase: no new signings, Ollie. Um, and so before we get into the game, yeah, we might have expected some free signings. Did we have any? Nope. No, I, th- I think I think expecting anything um, this <laughs> season, I think, has gone out the window. Um, I saw something um, from Ipswich. Obviously, Ipswich haven't had a very good start to the season. Um, we, no. We've actually won more games than them, which is actually quite hilarious. Um, but, but Ipswich signed a player every 4.8 days during the transfer window. And the transfer window is 99 days long, Glenn. 99 mm. days we had to sign players. Um, and yeah, we signed a player in um, 12 and a half days um, per, per sign-in, um, which just kind of puts into context how many um, Ipswich signed and how few we did. I hope we'd sign someone, um, but... Yeah, it's the hope that kills you, um, and I didn't really expect to get anyone to be honest. Yeah, and Mike, there'd been some discussion this weekend there from Steve Cottrell about how we'd looked. At, we were clearly looking at free signings. Brian had mentioned that in his interview, and there was a, a thing in the press where he'd spoken to Lewis, I think, pre-match for the game on Saturday, where he talked about they, you know, had a look at two free signings they might wanted to invite down, um, but for, for monetary reasons, and didn't end up happening. I don't know what you made of that. They seemed really disappointed to hear that footballers might want paying to do their jobs, um, <laughs> which I think is quite an odd thing to do when you know. We're so desperately short of numbers. We've made such a hash of this transfer window that to come out in the press and basically say for all to read that we don't really want to pay people the going rate. It's not really going to attract footballers to the football club, is it? It's not, you know, if you're an out of contract, potentially decent player, 
you're not even going to get your agent to ring Shrewsbury Town because the, the impression is that they're just not going to pay you what you want. Um, and what you want and what you get are often different things. But, you know, it, it's going to put people off even even chancing their arm at coming to Shrewsbury, I think. I, I don't think it's a great message to put out there when we need sign-ins. Interesting people talk about the pre-match because I, I saw I had a bit of a break from Shrewsbury in the week. And then I was listening to the, the pre-match on the way to the game. Um, and... I didn't really think it was as bad as maybe kind of like Twitter and people's reaction made out. Um, but I think that just shows how frustrated we are. Um, I thought Cottrell's comments weren't, weren't that bad, really, in, in, my, in my opinion. He said, you know, he's trying to sign players, but the wages and the demands were, you know, were, were quite silly. Um, but yeah, I think that's, it's, it's the context, isn't it, that, that is the frustration. Um, so what he's saying yeah. isn't so bad, but at the same time, obviously, the context is, is we desperately need players. But he was saying basically their, their, their wage demands were, were silly. Yeah, equally, I'd say, like, football's a small world, isn't it? I think it's going to be pretty well known that Shrewsbury are desperate for players, are pretty much bottom of the league. Um, at the moment, the, you know, the agents and the players have the whip hand, you know, Shrewsbury need reinforcements, you're going to have to pay for me to come. And it's only as a result of the, us not signing players, not getting loans in, and then making a balls up of the rest of the transfer window, that we're in this situation. You know, we've handed the power and the initiative to the, the players and the agents by not sorting the squad out early enough. So you can't complain now that they're asking for too much money. We're the most desperate team in the league, Ollie. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we, we were talking about this last night, weren't we? But yeah, because we, we're so desperate now to fill some of those gaps in, and it's very clear to every agent in the football league that if you are a num- you know, you've got a number ten on your books that is currently out of contract and is in his half decent, you know, you're not going to you're not going to let them. You know, you might as well sit on your hands for another couple of weeks because you know, deep down, town might come back in a couple more weeks offering another grand a week because we're that desperate. You know, if we lose another two or three games, we'd be offering them all the money under the sun to get someone in, wouldn't we? Because it's p- probably the only thing that might keep us up so it, it does leave us in a weak negotiating position Ollie and, and I think you're our expert negotiator aren't you from from what you do and it doesn't leave us with the strongest hand does it? No but the players are probably not in a strong hand either depending on you know if they're burning through their savings but yeah you don't know you don't know the context it could have been bluffing it could have been you know we could have been trying to sign a championship player and obviously we're not going to pay championship wages or it could have been a league two player who wanted a league one wage and we're not prepared to pay it either way well, we don't have any players and the squad is still yeah. weak so I totally agree with that Knowing uh, how high we seem to aim to get players and then completely fail, I imagine we spent the week negotiating to offer uh, Jack Wiltshire two grand a week to come and play for us, and you know, been surprised that he's turned it down. But who knows, Ollie? We don't know the quite quite what's going on with these deals, do we? So, um, yeah, no new signings, and um, obviously we had a bit of feedback on the podcast last week. It was one of our best podcasts we've done for a number of years now, wasn't it? It's um, going to be heading up towards probably a thousand listens again in the next couple of a couple of days, I think, once this one comes out. But um, a lot of the positive feedback was, was great, but also it was almost like, God, it was quite a depressing listen because we really did lay everything out last week, didn't we? And, and Pooley really kind of helped us help, helped us get to that point. So I wasn't going into this game particularly hopeful. Ollie, I don't know about you. I thought, you know, this was the, the chance, wasn't it? We're playing against a team that's actually below us in the league table. Um, there's not many of those, so I kind of went in a little bit of hope, but yeah, um, within a minute in, that hope had gone. And, and where are you at, Mike? You know, you've not been on this season so far since we did the pre-season pod, and you know we've, we've had a lot of water under the bridge so far. But where where are you at with town at the moment? What's your kind of I don't know your your sort of piece on it at the moment? I, I almost can't believe where we've ended up again. Um, you know, with what happened with Steve Cottrell last year, and he getting ill, and the sort of the miracle that he worked, and it was all the messaging. Close season was like okay, we're gonna we're gonna give it a go this year. We've got we, there's money to be spent. We've really backed this manager. He's definitely the, the the chairman's choice. There's no doubt about that. He's experienced. You just thought okay, it's not going to be another struggle. And for us to be whatever it is, six or seven games into the season, barely a squad to speak of. 
The players look rattled, they look nervous, they look like they're not playing for the manager. The manager looks like he's run out of ideas. Uh, you're probably going to talk about that, you know, second half and some of the ideas he does have don't really seem to work. And I just, I can't really see a way out of it. I, I can't see a magical upturn in form. I can't see us signing enough players or, or there being enough available free transfer pros to make a difference. So it's, it's at the moment, we feel like we're turning up every week to limp through to January in the hope that that's an absolutely worldy window, which we're traditionally terrible in the, in the January window. So it feels like a long, hard, depressing season, which is why we ended up in the Yorkshire House last night. Yeah, very true. So there we go. Yeah. There's the contact going into this game, Ollie. We will. Uh, no one was in a particularly good frame of mind, but I think that was probably pretty reflective of most town fans after a tricky start to the season. So yeah, we'll we'll leave this intro here and we'll we'll crack on with reviewing Shrewsbury Town versus Crew. Usual suspects wait. Oh, and Grandison was up, and it's in. How about that for instant impact? Andy May in the substitute. So Shrewsbury Town one, um, Crew Alexandra one. Attendance was about five thousand eight hundred, I think, and with about one thousand seven hundred opposition fans. So yeah, the opposition's really kind of helping boost to keep that number close to six thousand. I mm. think it'd been yeah, if it would have been a, a team probably a bit further away, I'm sure the number would have been a lot worse. Um, <laughs> in terms of bad, in terms of well, positive stats, I guess in, in this game we scored first for the first time in ten games. So. Hooray. Um, and then going into the game, and we didn't have a good record against Crew, and we'd actually lost in the last four games, and the last time we beat them at home was back in 2012. Um, but your stats are going to go a bit further back than that, aren't they, Glenn? Yeah, so, you know, as usual, as the weeks go on, I'm starting to look a bit deeper into these starts and where we're at with things. So I, I'd look at what, how, the, you know, the extra point now in terms of worst starts of the season is, um, it's not the worst. We've had a couple of seasons where we've still only had three points after this many games, so we're not at the worst start in the club's history. But um, quite an interesting comparison then is obviously that was uh, the 40th game for Steve Cottrell as, as a manager of Shrewsbury Town in the league. Um, and at the same point, Ricketts also uh, had the same amount of points. So after 40 games, they both had 49 points. Um, so yeah, just quite an interesting one really that you know from that massive you know uh, sort of ahead of Ricketts that Steve Cottrell's when he first started this run has really put them level again now he was he was just a couple of points above him for the last few weeks but yeah completely even with Ricketts now which is quite frightening to be honest with you and and clearly that's the worst um, we've had since we moved to the new meadow um, and then obviously a lot of people have been talking about how our form's been incredibly poor we've not scored a lot of goals um, and how how bad is that in context to maybe a longer period of time so I had a look back to when Gary Peters was manager um, which was obviously 2004 wasn't it I think when he first joined um, and yeah this is the worst run in blocks of 10 games we've had since um, Gary Peters was here so that's an incredibly long period of time and obviously includes all of Paul Simpson Graham Turner even the Mike Jackson Rain, Mickey Mel and Paul Hurst Askey and Ricketts they've all got more points in sort of any 10 game block so at the moment we are 5 points from the last 10 games um, by far the worst so you can conceivably say that we are in our worst run um, in what is that you know 16 years something like that so you can feel bad about this issue town fans because it is particularly poor and I think Mike you've probably not seen that stat I only put it up on Twitter earlier on but that does give some context really as to why people are so down about it you know five points from ten games and at the worst in a in a in a hell of a long time since you know we were young young boys I suppose young men um yeah, yeah it's shocking isn't it it's it's entirely believable as well you know it, mm. it fits in with the feeling around the stand and around the club I mean we were walking in on Saturday and we were walking in behind a couple of crew fans and it was almost a competition to see who could be more miserable about about what they were expecting from the afternoon. Yeah. Um, we nearly all clubbed together and went to the pub and ignored the game. But um, yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot of parallels with the Gary Peters season because we're also playing loads of uh, fullbacks out of position as well. So, you know, there's, there's lots of comparisons to be making against Peters. But yeah, it's just, it's a shambles and, and the stats make terrible reading. 
Um, and that's definitely reflected on the pitch as well. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I look into these a lot, don't we, for the podcast and stuff, and obviously Twitter, and I'm I'm pretty content. This is our worst run, as I say, since Gary Peters was at the club, so that is pretty frightening. Um, Just just on attendance, you did just mention it, that, but yeah, we're still trending about 800, 900 fans down on, on our general attendances the last sort of three or four years when fans were in before COVID, so this, um, as much as there were a lot of crew fans there, it was another sub-5,000 attendance for just Shrewsbury Town fans on their own, so trending down again. Um, And yeah, I did mention it last week, Morosi was going for that record, wasn't he? Longest wait for a clean sheet should join in the club and um, we've joined joint equal first on eight but unfortunately another clean sheet gone later on in the game wasn't there and um yeah nine games that a clean sheet now and i still feel really bad for molly i think it's incredibly harsh that he's he's got that record but there we go he has got it yeah but he probably yeah he didn't have his best game this weekend but you're right i nope. think it's, it's harsh you know he's he's certainly not the worst goalkeeper we've had um, in the last few years nope. so yeah i do feel a bit sorry for him he's one of the few positives that we have at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And talking of talking of, of players and uh, in terms of who how did we start, I was very confused how we started. I thought we almost were playing some kind of like asymmetric back three with a, a left with a left wing back with with no right side at all. That's what it looked like when we started. But actually, um, Pennington was playing right back. Yeah, I really hate centre backs playing in in, in central defence. Mm. It's just. It, as, a, as a right as a right back union, Mike, it, this is something that we're both, I'm sure, going to be very angry about. I don't mind. I don't mind. You know, a, a fellow right back taking that spot, but yeah, well, we don't have a right back, do we? That's the problem. But um, yeah, Pennington playing right back. Um, is, then you've got Ebanks and Pierre in, in central defence, and then we had Leahy playing um, left back. But clearly, it was a bit, a little bit of a, a style to say Leahy was going to be an attacking um, fullback, and Pennington was very much on, with defence duties. And we had um, Davis and remote, um, kind of, kind of, you know, playing in front of the back two, and then we mm-hmm. had Bennett and Vella, and then we had Blocks and Cosgrove, Cosgrove and Warley. Really struggled to. You could call this formation four one four one a bit like the the Hurst style, or you could call it four three three. But did it take? Do you guys a little bit confused how we set up? Yeah, I can remember about five minutes in, we had a conversation about Pennington playing right back. It took us a while to, to pin it down, I think, but I actually liked it. I thought I thought it's a shape that fits a lot of our players, yeah. and I thought we looked like we were. The, uh, well drilled in it. We, we looked the most competent I think I've seen this in a 45 minute yeah. period this season. Um, we did. So I think it just goes yeah. to show that every formation we pick there's going to be something you could say well that isn't quite right but I agree, agree with what you're saying but I yeah. don't like don't like having Senna back at right yeah. back. I, did, I think it gets the best out of Davis to be just that sitting anchor. He does, Not too much more is expected of him and I think that it brings Wally into the team and at the moment he's probably our best attacking outlet and it gets him in a position where he can make a difference. Um, like you say, there's always something missing, so somebody's going to have to go and fill in it right back. But if you've only got one square peg in a round hole, it's better than having three or four in the other systems we played. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't feel like Pennington had a terrible game at right back either, to be honest with you. Especially and in the second half when we changed formation, I thought he had a reasonable game, to be fair. Um, but yeah, you know, it's screaming the obvious, isn't it? Which is this tactic would work much better if Bennett could have dropped back into right back and we had one more central midfielder. It would have looked a lot more solid, wouldn't it? You know, and as much as we played around that first half, it's still a couple of people out of position that we just simply are not going to resolve any time quick, even if we bring free transfers in because they're going to take ages to get up to speed. So that's fine. I agree with Mike. I think Wally's probably deserved a chance back in the team considering how we've been playing. So, um, and he certainly did well in this game. So I can't really criticise that. Bloxham, we want to see playing. If he has to keep being a little bit wider than we might want to see through the middle, then that's fine. Um, obviously, Cosgrove got the nod up front, not for me still. And, and even after the game, I, I would be looking at changing that. But you know, it is what we've got at the moment, isn't it? We've not got too much more than that. And the, the obvious, I suppose, the other thing that we'll continue to complain about a little bit, which might seem harsh on Lee, is I still think when you've got an attacking um, left back, you should be playing Og better. Um, but yeah, not out of, not still out of favour. Didn't Third even choice. get on this game, did he, Ollie? Yep. Third choice, isn't he now? Madness. Yeah. 
our best one of our best better players up mm. there with with Vela, Bennett, Worley. You'd probably say, um, and also obviously an attacking threat. And yeah, he's third choice. Um, not that not that's no criticism of Nurse. I really like Nurse, um, but yeah, he. He is he is well off the pecking order and and I also noticed later in the game he wasn't even warming up. Nope. Um, whether that was an instruction or he's just got the message that he wasn't going to come on um, and he's got no chance coming on at all. Um, so that that's a frustrating that's a disappointing. Um, but talking of disappointing, um, game started. Uh, met Phil before the game had a nice pint. Uh, I see that the, you can get Woods now with a voucher. So thank you yeah, very much for that. that. So that was nice. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, um, one minute in, crew break down the left, um, forcing a good save for Morosi. Um, and then, yeah, there was another cross into the box. And then there was a corner. And then they had another effort and they fired over. So, yeah, two minutes in, a couple of efforts on target for crew. Um, not the best start from Shrewsbury Town. I mean, I'll be honest, and Mike's probably the same. I missed the first two minutes of this game. You did. I did notice. I wondered whether you were coming or not. Going. I spoke to your. I saw your kids and your dad. Because um, I did attempt they to go there, to the yeah. fan zone, but it's too busy. But yeah, I noticed that. I thought maybe you'd just given up. No, we've been at the Masonic, and uh, I think we may have over, overestimated our, our fitness and speed levels at age forty. Now walking all the way from the Masonic to the ground. So yeah, got in about two minutes late, uh, unfortunately, and missed that first early break. But I kind of was um, just in the concourse coming through and I heard a, a sort of early chant and got up to my seat and said, "What did I miss?" And they were like, "Oh, they've already had a chance." And I was like, "Oh God, it's not going to be one of those days, is it?" But um, yeah, I, I think that they they started quicker than us from from watching those opening minutes after I got in there, and we we were solid enough though. It was quite an end to end game. I thought it was quite open. I thought it was quite a poor quality game in general. I, did, I thought there was a lot of mistakes from both teams, but it, it made it more open, I suppose. It made it slightly more entertaining than rubbish games can tend, tend to be. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think that um, yeah that they, they were massively better than us in that opening spell. I don't know about you, Mike. Yeah, I think I think we don't do ourselves any favours at the start of games. We always look, uh, whenever I see us, quite nervous. The players look nervous. The players look like they're almost, it's a bit of a cliche, trying too hard, but they're, they're really conscious of making a mistake. I don't know whether that's because the manager's quite hard on mistakes or whether it's just that you know there's such a small amount of confidence in the team that as soon as you make a mistake but we, we kind of play other teams into it by being so uh, we just seem nervous and really sort of back on our heels a little bit I'd like to see us one day just come out and just confidently stroke it about and just say you know you can make mistakes let's go and actually play some football it's always very safety first for the first 20 minutes and I think that just invites other teams into the game thought, yeah I thought it was I think it was just a good start from crew also we had Ramsey who's who we remember who had a, a poor loan with us yeah. in the Ricketts era. He shot. He dragged a shot on his left foot. And then Maurice fumbled it, which was a little bit scary again. <laughs> but Shrewsbury did start to come into the game, I thought. Um, good counter-attack from Shrewsbury. Um, Worley takes the ball to Vela, and Vela to Worley. Um, and then a really, really nice run from Leahy. This was uh, this is probably Leahy's best game, and definitely his best contribution that he's, he's shown us so far. Um, gets mm-hmm. into the box puts it in the right space, you know, crossing from a good area, something that Pooley was talking about last week, you know, not these crosses from deep and with which are, you know, difficult and easy to defend, a one that's really difficult to defend and Cosgrove puts the ball in the back of the net. So yeah, at this point you're thinking, well, fantastic. We've scored a goal. We scored, we were first, um, you know, may, maybe this could be our day. What could go wrong, Ollie? Yeah, what could go wrong? It, it, I find the interesting th- thing I saw um, immediately after goal was Lewis Cox tweeted about what Steve Cottrell thought about that goal we scored because you know he was indicating that Cottrell would was really pleased with it, like it must have been something they were working on the training ground all week. And I hope it is because if you can get a Wally or a or a Leahy, you know, in behind the defence looking for a cutback cross. The chances of scoring just seem much higher, you know. Even for the player of Cosgrove managed to finish it. So, considering how crappy he was most of the rest of the game, um, you know, you got a much more higher chance of scoring. It's you know be- 
better on your XGs, isn't it? I guess than just pumping it from you know near the halfway line onto someone's head. So it was a really nice goal. I thought it was a couple of really nice bits of passing. Again, you know we haven't scored many goals, but it was some of the nicest build-up play we've had this season. It was encouraging signs. Um, and as like Mike Mike says, it may be a bit of that was because of the way we were playing that tactic and having a few more bodies up front to kind of be able to pass it around a team. Um, you know, it did help that, mm. didn't it, Mike? Yeah, I think. I think that the goal was a product of the formation. I think when your width comes from yeah. wingers and forwards, you're going to be able to pull them, pull them out of position and, and get in behind the back. When your width comes from sort of, you know, attacking fullbacks, they're always going to cross them deep because it's much more difficult to, to penetrate. So I thought it was, uh, you know, don't wonder Steve Cottrell was happy about it because I think it was tactically the goal came from some of his managerial decisions. But um, yeah, I think it was just it was good football all around. How I described it was a goal made of good football, which is something we we we've not seen a lot of. So it was, it, you know, and it got the fans up, and I think it it sucked a little bit of the air out of the balloon of the the booers and the and the toxic fans. I think, you know, if we'd have gone 30, 40 minutes, everybody in the fa- in the stands would have got edgy. So it just it just took the edge off it a little bit and relaxed the crowd as well, which was which was really good. I thought it was good because it wasn't just a goal; it was a really good goal, as you guys have said. Mm. Um, it was a really, really well worked goal, and and yeah, it just made everyone you know really happy, which which was which was nice, and yeah, I totally agree with you. I thought it was it was having overlaps in in wide areas. Um, I, I, I we like I like this formation. Um, I thought the midfielders were good. We were also dominating the midfield area. Huge credit for the manager for the first half and how he set the team up. It was working really well. I thought Vela and Bennett were working well. Davis was working well, and 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 Worley. Um, look like his old self again, um, dribbling mm. forward. Um, I'm sure you're pleased to see him um, looking full of beans, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I was saying this to, to I went around and saw my parents today. I was saying to my mum and dad, there was times when I was watching Wally and it was like he was in the Paul Hurst team. He was pressing, running, like getting right up behind the full back, nicking the ball off him, turning inside and, and creating counter attacks from you know um, the, the opposition territory as opposed to from our goalkeeper. And that was what we used to do brilliantly under Hurst. Now, the problem was he'd be going and pressing, nicking the ball, turning around, there'd be nobody anywhere near him on Saturday. And that's something we've got to improve. We're going to press, we need to press as groups. We press as individuals at the moment. Inevitably, it pulls us out of position more than, you know, to, than to start something. So it was really nice to see him full of energy. And, and you know, he might be 36, and he might be, you know, coming towards the end of his career maybe, but he looked like the most energetic and, and enthusiastic player on the pitch, I thought. He did, particularly first half. I, my only concern about it is that he, he did fade as the second half went on. There was a point where we made a late substitution and he was down, hands on his knees, looking like he wanted to come off and, and he didn't get subbed off, which is fair enough because I think Cottrell wanted to keep him on because he was doing such a lot. But I think long term, again, in the run-up to January, if we're going to keep playing with this tactic, you're going to run the legs out of Wally within a couple of weeks and you're going to probably struggle to keep Bloxham fit at age 17 as well. So, yeah, this might you know work for a couple of weeks, but again, it's what, what the long-term plan is with this formation if you're going to have blocks them as Wally and your wingers the really only other alternative is Daniels which he's never really rated on the wing so yeah this is going to be okay for the moment I, I would like to see us continue with this tactic but I think we're going to have to look at um, what we're going to do Ollie I don't know you know once once Wally and Bloxham start to tie which will happen if we're going Saturday Tuesday again which we will do soon it's going to be tricky isn't it yeah it's tricky it's 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 going to be we'll have to be mindful not talking about the squad every week but it's hard not to isn't it because there's it is, yeah. obvious weaknesses everywhere I'd like to see Daniels given mm. a, a try at left wing and you know playing mm. there for a few games in a row I think that'd be good for his confidence but you're right I think the biggest thing about Wally is he just he offers something that no one else can offer really in the squad like Bennett's not too bad at running forward the ball but no one is as good at dribbling um, as, as as Worley obviously we're not playing him better he's fantastic at that as well but I thought Worley's dribbling meant that the, the opposition defence um, were often on their back foot 
um, and his yeah. dribbling helped create um, create the goal, and that's a huge asset. So yeah, it was good to see. It was good to see. Um, but unfortunately, the first half wasn't going to end on a high. Um, yeah, so there's a few moments. There was a shot blocked by Morosi and cleared. Um, Bennett um, was driving forward and fired wide. Cosgrove was not happy with that. Um, and then their goal was really strange. I had to watch this back a few times to, to understand exactly what happened. Um, so um, crew were attacking in the central areas. They played a, a pass to the, the, the little number 10, um, the little, little midfielder, um, Cashnet. Um, who was playing in a kind of front three, but he seemed to kind of come into that central area a lot. And he kind of miscontrolled it, actually. Um, and then Mandron was, was really quick to react. He was like off, the, off, his, he was off his mark faster than Pierre. And Morosi didn't come off his, off his line or even go towards the ball. No. Um, and then it was one all. So really good finish from the striker. A little bit lucky in terms of how the ball fell to him. But yeah, not the best defending from Pierre or Morosi, um, I thought. And totally frustrating because, like, I didn't. I thought Crew were pretty poor in general for the first half. If I was given my review of them, they they had a couple of good players, but they they generally were quite error strewn. And they they at times in the first half, particularly after we scored, kind of they had a good spell after we scored where they really ran out of ideas. They just kind of kept going through dead ends, and they looked crap. They looked like a second goal would have definitely killed them off, and we would have definitely won that game. And it just felt like as that half went on, I kept saying to the guys around me, I was like, Crew have been rubbish. We should be beating these. We should beat these. But you felt at the back of your mind a typical team that's going to be struggling in relegation season, you know, sorts of things. That's what happens, you know. You let a goal in at the most inappropriate time, literally just for half time, changes the entire context of the game, obviously changed Steve Cottrell's mindset when we come to talk about what he did second half, and it just one of those bloody typical things that happen to relegation, threatened teams, Mike, I think. Yeah, and I, much like Ollie, I had to watch it back a few times because it was really unclear what happened. It just kind of slid through and nobody seemed to get a foot mm. in it, but when you watch it... Pierre is totally ball watching. He's not got his eyes on Mandron. He's not concentrating at all. And when the ball, when that miscontrol happens and the ball releases into our box, Mandron's gone. He's gambling. It takes Pierre, Pierre one or two seconds to, to twig that he's gone, and he can't catch up with him then. And then Mandron's in on goal. And it's 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 symptomatic of Pierre this season. He's just not been he's not been at it at all. He's either not been fit or he just doesn't seem to have that concentration in games. Um, and it's a real shame because I think he's he's a Rolls Royce when he's on form, but. I don't, I'm not sure what's wrong with him at the moment, what, where, why he's not the player that we need him to be, because he's an excellent footballer and he's an excellent defender. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think he's probably more to blame than anybody else for that one, um, because he should, be, he should be alert to snuffing out um, you know, things that sneak through off miscontrols. You, know, you can't predict them, but you've got to be aware of them. Um, so it's a shame, and like you say, just before half-time, we were just sat there saying, well, we've got to get through to half-time, one-up, you know, regroup, and then we can go on and try and win this. And you know, literally, as we were saying it, the ball goes in the back of the net, it's just... Oh, just, just such a sucker punch. So I hey, tell you what, Ollie, oh, I'm beginning to get annoyed with is like Mikkel Mandrum when he played for us was god awful, wasn't he? Like he he did not have a good spirit spell when he was on loan with us. He was one of those strikers that we put in our when we did that Salop Cat top forty worst loan players that Mike joined us on. You know he was in in the top ten or top fifteen. I can't remember what it was. Every time he's played against us recently, he's looked like primary Kane. He's won all his headers. He's been strong. He's been trying to like get at our centre backs. And second half particularly, I thought he bullied him a little bit. And I'm getting a bit annoyed because I, I, you know, all these players that keep coming back and we think, oh, they were rubbish, and they just end up being really good against us. It's quite frustrating, isn't it, Ollie? It is frustrating. I guess he only played a few <laughs> games um, for us. He did. A couple, three games. Or it was terrible. Yeah, but I th- yeah, it's, 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 we'll talk about this kind of topic actually a bit later on. Is it is it is it a player doing really well, or is it actually a, um, other players making them look good? Um, mm. But I thought at half time, I thought I thought probably we were, we were mildly the better side, 
Um, but I don't agree with us. I don't know whether if you meant this, Clint, but I got the impression you thought that we, we were much better in that half. Um, you know, I thought they had more shots on target than us. And I thought they were a threat, especially with, with Bennett and then their left wing back um, on the left-hand side. I thought they were a threat. And a couple of good saves from Morosi kept us, um, kept them down to one. Yeah, I, I, I honestly thought they were quite a poor team. And let's not, be, let's not be brutal about it. We didn't cover this in the stats. They scored less goals than we have this season. They'd only scored one, yeah. and obviously we scored two. They are as bad as we are this season. They were not a good team, and, and we weren't brilliant either, to be honest with you. And I think I'll talk about talking to some sort of um, uh, neutral fan at the end of the day uh, who I spoke to and, and kind of gave me a bit of context of it. So I thought we... we sh- I don't know. I felt we shaded the first half. Yeah, I wouldn't I'll say, say that's why I say, I say better. we were yeah. marginally yeah. better, but I, would um, agree. I wouldn't say that, that you know crew were... were were lucky to get a goal. You know, they'd created quite a few chances. Um, yeah, I agree. They had quite yeah. a few shots on target. Um, we just should have saw the last minute or two out and we would have been yeah, fine. Yeah, it was but, poor, um, There we go. Poor defending. Um, but yeah, we go in at half time, and you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was fairly pleased with what was going on. It was, it was a nice day, and yeah, Shrewsbury Town had scored <laughs> a goal, so can't complain too much. Um, but then the team come out um, second half, and clearly you can see a, a tactical change straight away. Um, Bennett is in the right wing back position, and we'd shifted round. And I've got my theory of why maybe we changed, but maybe Mike, first, what were you surprised by the change in half time, and why do you think he did it? Um, I, I couldn't believe it. I did not understand it. I think, like you two, I thought we were the better side first half, and, and although we conceded for half time, why change it? Because uh, uh, you know that sort of odd, you know, lazy goal aside, I thought I thought we were we were the better side, and we looked more likely to be able to go and, and take the game. I mean, I don't know why he did it. You put it down here, it's, it's a tactical brain fart. And we, we decided that Cottrell basically shit the bed at half-time. Got all panicked by that goal and, and just tried to, I don't know, try to defend out a point. I don't really know what he was trying to achieve with that because it was a much more defensive formation. It invited pressure. And again, you put it here, it was 3-4-3. Three, three. I felt more it was a five at the back, really. I thought it was two yeah, centre-halves like, and two. Well, at one point, two, it looked like there was six. Because yeah. at one point, we were, I think we were defending a, a goal kick. And Davis was so deep, we had a, a line of six players. Um, but yeah, I'd agree with you. I think yeah, I think five. It was a fun. And yeah, you never, fun. we were ne- we struggled to score goals so much anyway. So we weren't going to score another goal to win it two one by pulling three or four players into more defensive positions. I just did not understand it at all. No, and the we thing got that surprised to... me as well is that I thought that Bloxham and Pennington as a two did quite well defending. Yep. Okay, they, mm. they did get Bennett and um, I can't remember the, the guy who played left back. He was re- he was left wing back for crew. He looked quite a threat as well. I thought, you know, I thought we had enough cover in their area and we were then defending the central area of the pitch quite well. I don't understand it. Was it was it to go man to man their area? But I thought yeah, they got in a few times, but I didn't think I didn't think it was necessary to change formation. And then all we ended up really doing then was conceding in the middle of the park and and then a mm. player in the crew side, and which we'll come on to a bit later, started to dominate the game. And yeah, Glenn, were you surprised we, we kind of conceded central field with this change? Yeah, no, normally you ask the question, you just ask Mike, why do you think we did that? And we would, you know, ruminate on it and think this must be a reason why he did this. Must be. A re- I have no idea why we made these changes. You know, we'd we'd been fairly decent first half. We'd we'd let a late goal in. Okay, that's a bit of a kick in the balls. But in general, the tactic was working well. We were probably attacking a little bit more than we have done recently. Although we weren't still amazing going forward. I I can't understand it either. I don't, I don't have any logical thoughts or or any kind of insight into it. It was completely ridiculous. And in all honesty. 
it ruined the game for us. Like we were rubbish second half, I thought, um, and we were staggered that we didn't lose it. Really, when you look at all the chances created second half, but in general, I, yeah, I, I don't know why Ollie. I'd, I'd love to know whether he covered it in his post match or he covers it in any of his interviews he done done this week. Because I'd really like to know what what the kind of theory behind it was. Um, but it certainly didn't make us any more attacking, and it, and it definitely felt like a defensive move. And if Ricketts had been here, fans would have been going mental about it. You well, know, apparently, according to um, Cottrell, it worked really well in the second half. Um, maybe he was playing for a point. Maybe he was playing for a point. Then there you go. I don't know. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was ridiculous. Uh, you know, a ridiculous team. Especially the, we know how Crew and Artel likes to play. He likes to mm. dominate the centre of the park. Um, we competed with them in the first half. In the second half, we gave them the space. So that was that was quite strange. Um, and then yeah, we started to give them space. Um, and yeah, Robertson, um, who I think is a fantastic player, um, really started to come into his own in the second half. Yeah. He puts a cross into the box. Um, from that kind of inside right position, um, and it goes wide. I thought that was a really big chance. Um, and then, yeah, we 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 and Bennett um, for from for crew. Um, he had that really weird moment where he he dived and he was on the ground for ages and he couldn't make his mind up whether he'd hurt his head or his leg. Um, and then about five minutes later, he gets up and he fires over. Um, and yeah, that would have been horrendous if he'd scored at that that moment in time. It would have been, yeah. It was Mandron that missed that early header, wasn't it, when they should have gone 2-1 up. And yeah, there was a really long stoppage. Obviously, second game in a row, we've had nine minutes injury time when we get to that at the end of the game and we haven't scored in any of it. But um, yeah, it would have been horrendous. And he was getting loads of abuse off the fans, wasn't he? And it was almost like he felt if, he, if he'd if he scored it, he was just going to turn around and he was going to massively shush the West Stand who'd been really getting at him. So I think we avoided <laughs> we avoided getting shushed at, didn't we? But um, they, they just kept having chance after chance, didn't they, second half? And really good chances. You know, that, that one, that, that header from um, Mandron and, and more as they went on and... <laughs> We just we didn't start the second half at all, did we? We just really, really didn't get going until maybe late on, right, very late on. But it was such a it was such a backward step, having showed some little signs of progress to to suddenly that again. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised because that's how we played most of the season. But I don't know. Just when you want to start to think we're taking a step forward, we go we revert back to the normal. Yeah, we were we were poor in the second half. Um, I thought, mm. um, yeah, there was that um, really nice play um, from Robertson, played an absolutely delightful ball in for, for a Mandron who was full of running. Um, you'd love a striker like that, Glenn, who makes nice runs. Um, he fires into the mm. side netting. Um, and then, yeah, there was an unfortunate moment then um, where Bloxham um, accidentally smashed um, Robertson in the face, pure accident. Um, yep. And yeah, we, we had a lot of extra, t- a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted time, sorry, a lot of extra time um, because of that moment. Um, and then there was another chance for them and Cashnet forces a block from Bennett and then and Mandron headers over into the side net from close range um, and yeah at this point it felt like they were they were the most likely team to score Mike yeah they, they did and the pressure was definitely on you could tell in the way we were defending it was panicked and it was rushed the amount of sort of slashes at the ball that, that, that sort of skew off to an attacker and we you know we take two or three t- chances to clear our lines um it it just everybody gets edgy in the team and nervous. Everybody gets edgy and nervous in the in the in the stands, and it's really difficult for for the team to get themselves back on on sort of an even footing. I think sometimes, and it's I don't know whether they were I don't know whether the team themselves were a bit confused by the tactical change at half time because it was mm. or he'd said something and changed. I don't know, but they just looked totally. Like I, even though they conceded at half time, they could have gone in after the first half and been a bit confident that they played a good game. They, they were on top. Yeah, they let in a scrappy goal, but let's go do that again second half. Don't you know? Be a bit tighter at the back, and we can win this. But they were sent out to go and try and defend a point, and 
they just seemed a bit lost as a team. Um, and that just, just invited crew into the game. And as I say, the defending was nervy and rushed. And it was, you know, we weren't playing any football. We were going direct. And that's when you can only really start to see one team sort of taking it. And it was crew, it wasn't us. We were, te- we were terrible second half, I thought. It was one-way traffic, Ollie, for a long period, wasn't it? Crew just wave after wave of attacks. And, you know, last-minute scrappy challenges, like Mike just said. It was They were completely on top. You know, we just nothing we did tried to change it. And then, obviously, there was the, the big stoppage, wasn't there? And then... To add to our woes, Pierre got injured, didn't he, and went off. And, you know, I think Steve Cottrell had said this week, oh, he's just getting back to peak physical fitness. So, you know, well done. That jinx that. Pierre went off injured as well. So we've got uh, another centre-back down with, with not as much cover there as we want. So, yeah, I think problems were starting to pile up a little bit as that second half went on. Um, we had the occasional kind of shot, didn't we, from from sort of free kicks and bits and bobs and Wally's kind of courageous runs forward. But um, I, d- I didn't think we really tried to have a proper go until, like, the last 10 minutes. Yeah, last ten minutes or so, we had some better opportunities, didn't we? You you just referring yep. to the the off, the effort from a set piece and and, and Wally's shot. Um, Bowman got made a really good run. I think it was a really good ball over the top from Pennington, um, and it was a really tame effort um, from Bowman. Um, and then there was um, yeah, a lot of Shrewsbury fans reacted to this, but um, Pennington drove into the box, uh, and it was for me it was a ten out of ten dive. Absolutely no way that um, that was a penalty. Was it? I've not seen it back. I, I was screaming for a penalty on, on the day because obviously from the West End it looked like a Stonewall penalty. I, I, saw, I put on Twitter, I thought it was a penalty, but I've not had a chance to watch it back I yet. didn't but think it was a penalty I, I think... in real time. I, I called it as a dive. Didn't... I've watched it oh, back okay. a few times and yeah, he, he goes down. I don't think the, the defender even touches him, to be honest. I watched it back this afternoon and uh, it's not even in the box actually. It's just outside the box as well. So <laughs> was it? it was never a penalty and, and there's not a huge amount of contact in it. So we all did get quite excited about it at the time, but I, I don't think it was a penalty and I don't think it would have been fair if it had been given, to be fair. But we weren't sure who it was in the box that had been fouled because um, we obviously were trying to look at who it was at the time and uh, we probably just assumed it was Wally and then it was a dive, Wally. So um, it was a bit harsh on Wally because it wasn't him. It was Pennington, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, it was yeah I, obviously not a penalty and um, a bit unfortunate. And then the... the it sort of injury time started to come on. We had like maybe th- like three minutes of domination. We forced like three corners and had these chances, and then we got in the box and there was you know almost had that penalty shout. Um, but then we stopped again, and Crew smashed us in injury time. They they should have won it at least two or three times. But the biggest chance was the the Mick or Mandron chance, wasn't it? Where a ball fell to him, I don't know, five yards out. He really caught it nicely, um, and it just took the smallest deflections. It must have been like an inch wide, and it was one of those moments because Crew was so desperate to get a win, aren't they? Obviously, and, and score another goal. Um, when you looked after the moment there was like six of the 11 players from the crew team including their goalkeeper on their knees hands in head because they knew that was the game right there didn't they um and it was a stunningly good chance for crew wasn't it to win the game yeah crew crew let themselves down with their finishing didn't they they did in the yeah. second half um, i'm a little bit confused some Shrewsbury fans were, um, were debating with me on twitter last night that Shrewsbury were the better team overall and in particular <laughs> in the second half i i really no don't chance. understand that um yeah, you know, people people like stats. People, you know, sometimes people some people get very upset about stats as well. Um, but for <laughs> me, um, yeah, there was we had four shots. They had twelve. Yeah, they they, they didn't Mental. have very many on target, um, and yeah, quite a few were really close. But they dominated us in the second half. And if I was a crew fan, um, and there was a lot of them there, I, I felt sorry for crew fans. I thought they deserved three points. To be honest. We were lucky. We were lucky not to lose that game, I think, in the end. As I say, even in the nine minutes of injury time, they were the ones pushing again, to be honest with you. You know, Wally's legs had gone there. I thought there was an argument in this game for us starting to see the first signs of fatigue. I know everyone wants to say how amazingly fit we are and we don't stop running. I saw it. I, I saw Bennett. I saw Wally. Saw maybe a few of the other ones that were starting to look a little bit more leggy in the in the end of games. And when you're getting pushed to the end, you know, by a crew team that haven't won and are completely out of... Um, 
completely out of sorts in terms of their start to the season. You're going to start. That's another worry I've got at the back of my mind. And you have to say, Cruz team are incredibly young compared to ours as well, aren't they? So presumably that's where the, the extra legs came from. But um, I would, yeah, yeah, but I, I think know. I was going to say on that point, I think um, I think our players are fit. They look fit. They look fitter than we did under under Ricketts. But there's only about 16 of them. So of that's course they're going yeah. to get tired yeah. because they're playing all the time. You know, there's no exactly. rotation. There's no there's no opportunity to rest people in the Pizza Trophy or in you know the early rounds of the League Cup. They're going to get run into the ground by Christmas. It's ridiculous. It's yeah, not about it the players' core fitness. I agree, Mike. It's about the lack of options. And, and as you said at the start, you're going to have to run some of these players Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday because there's no other option. And they're going to they're going to fatigue. Mm. And um, yeah, we could talk about this all season, Ollie, and I'm sure we will yeah. revisit it. But I, I started to see, particularly Wally, who's obviously maybe that's a bit unfair on him because he's been out of the team he's and been not had that injury, match sharpness. But um, you know, Bloxham tends to tire a little bit, doesn't he? There's a few of them. So we've got to watch one, out for one thing, yeah, just one other thing to thoughts worth mentioning as well is I saw a lot of criticism for Davis, and he did he had quite a torrid time against Robertson, and yeah, and, you know Davis probably maybe didn't have his best game, but sometimes I think you've got to step back and go, okay, and this kid Robertson is a fantastic player. Um, I'd, I'd never heard of him before, um, and yeah, he's on loan from Celtic. He's twenty, um, and I, I thought he looked like an absolute super, superb talent. So yes. Um, Davis didn't have the best game. He had run around a little bit by him. Um, but he was. Robertson is is a talented player. Uh, if he, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on and does well. You know, you know, sometimes he just he looked really composed on the ball. He made some really good passes, a range of passes as well. Um, and yeah, he for me he reminded me a little bit of Vela in terms of the way he drives forward. A couple of runs he did mm. forward was really dangerous. And God, it's again, it, again, we're just repeating ourselves. Um, so apologies for this, but it's the kind of play that we really, the lone play that we really need to design. And hmm. you know, the, the, you know, Celtic decided that Artel is is a better manager um, with obviously his record of developing Championship players. Um, yeah, we didn't, we couldn't sign a player like that. I want to talk about the elephant in the room here, a player's name we've barely mentioned during this game, other than very briefly when we scored the goal. What do you make of Sam Crosgrove, Mike? Um, he's a bit of a lump, isn't he? Um, he's, if, for a guy that scored the goal, one of the only goals we've scored this season, he's the worst player on the pitch, I thought. I thought, he's, apart, you know, apart from sticking his foot in and getting the ball in the back of the net, his touch is, is shocking. His sort of spatial awareness of where defenders are and where he should be going is, is quite lacking. And he jumps about three quarters of an hour too early for every header. So he's, on, he's going down when the ball gets to him. He's, I, I, he can't seem to do much right for me. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know what it is. How somebody ever paid two million quid for him? I don't know. Maybe he's struggling confidence-wise or something. But I don't, it's almost unfair putting him in the team at the moment. And yes, he scored a goal. And it seems ridiculous to be criticising a striker that scored a goal for the town when we're so short of them. But... You know, you can't play one minute of a of a ninety minute match. You've got to produce a bit more. Um, yeah, it just doesn't stick with him. I, I I don't understand what I'm looking at when when he's playing. I don't understand what I'm what I'm seeing. Is he a target man? Is he a, does he work the channels? Does is he supposed to be coming and laying it off? I don't really know what he's supposed to be doing up there. I don't I don't want it to be like he's our latest boo boy on the podcast, Ollie. But like a lot of people, I felt a lot of people were kind of commenting on that after the game because like even you know after he scored the goal everyone's like oh that'll do his confidence the world the good but he, he possibly played worse after he scored that was even the most confusing thing about it I, 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 and Pooley was obviously quite harsh on him last week wasn't he and we weren't overly glowing but I, I, I just don't I don't get how much he's offering us outside the game and um, he obviously got subbed off again late on rather than Wally who was absolutely knackered and I don't know Wally what did you make of his overall performance? I find it hard I don't know why I always yeah I find it hard sometimes to, to, to kind of judge strikers I won't say it's my kind of forte mm. um, but yeah I thought he was better <laughs> if that's anything, he just seems God. to be putting himself a little bit more. 
Um, but yeah, his, his link-up play wasn't as good. And yeah, comparing him to Mandron, who I thought made some really good runs, um, Cosgrove exactly. wasn't sharp. He was there for the goal. Um, he, made, he had a few times where he kind of put himself about a bit. But yeah, he doesn't offer a lot. Um, and I'd much rather see maybe Bowman start or something like that. But it's something for me, to, I think, to keep an eye on. Um, on that point, what's, yes. what's up with Bowman? What is up with Bowman? Like, he's had a hamstring we, injury, didn't he? We, we did some shooting practice a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then his hamstring went, so he's, he's coming back. Okay. We won't do shooting practice again. <laughs> well, yes, what the manager said. He said it's almost too intense, and we actually got injuries from it, but we did do some this week, apparently. Um, did we got but, paid right off, didn't it? We got one goal, Ollie. We're banging, banging form now. Oh, there we go. So, I don't know. We obviously drew. I mean, for me, just to sort of a little bit of a summary before we come to the post-match stuff, but um, that was a bad result. I'm going to be harsh and say, drawing against another team who Glenn, were absolutely not being, can, I just, can I just comment on that? It's not harsh. We're no, at home, and okay. we're against a team that's below us in the league. We haven't won a, haven't won a game yet. Mm. Okay, it's not many of them. <laughs> yeah, it's not um, harsh. It's just a fact, reality that we should, this yeah, was a must-win game. I think it was a shit result. To be honest with you, we should have been trying to beat this lot at home. And to be honest with you, that we've escaped with a draw at the end of the day, rather than actually push, been the ones pushing to get the win is even more embarrassing. And I'm concerned about our run coming up. Um, I watched the way we played that second half and thought, can you imagine what's going to happen at Sheffield Wednesday next week if we turn up and play like that against them? I mean, they're not in great form, but they'll they'll smash us. Um, but in general, yeah, I, I just I wasn't overly impressed. Um, I know that the sort of full time reaction was kind of some boos, but a lot of that was aimed at the referee. I think some was aimed at the draw because, as we've said, this isn't incredibly bad run of form we're on but it was kind of one of those results where it didn't cause fans to be completely joyous like when we beat Gillingham the other week and Bloxham scored the over volley that was a really nice moment but it also wasn't enough to kind of cause any toxicity in the stands really at the end of the game and it was just you know it's one of those games where you feel like party season's just drifting by with nothing happening and if you have four five six of them in a row now you'll, you'll suddenly find your cut adrift and you know worrying about if it's if it's salvageable really but yeah okay maybe I wasn't harsh and, and it's completely fair for me to say that was yeah. a bad result Mike. Yeah, definitely, and I think your point on the um, on the, the response after the match, one of apathy, I thought, one of people yeah, sort totally of agree with you, resi- yeah, resigned to this is what it is until January, mm. and we'll see what rabbits we can pull out of hats. You know, we're going to turn up, and this is what it's going to be week after week. I don't think that there's enough time in the week and enough weeks left in this year to train any better performances out of this lot. It's going to be a grind, and you know, I can see I can see a lot of people drifting off it. To be honest with you, you know, my. Uh, my father-in-law and my wife's uh, uncle as well, they've got a season ticket for the first time in years this year and they're wondering what the hell they're doing with their Saturdays. Like, what a year to pick to come back to football. I mean, it's just mental. And you see it, you see it all around the stands as well. The people just scratching their heads thinking, you know, there's got to be something better I can do for an hour and a half on a Saturday afternoon. Um, it's really difficult to watch. And everyone had left. So in front of us. Oh, sorry, Ollie, I talked to you. Go on, start again. Yeah, you, Mike, you're right. And you noticed the seats to the right of us were all empty. People mm. decided to leave um, before the game was over, and it's it's not like traffic is a, a big issue in Shrewsbury. It's not like we're, you know, it's not like we're um, Arsenal somewhere where you could lose an hour or something. You know, you don't really lose much <laughs> time getting out of the ground. And I think you're another way of looking at it as well, Glenn. Is, I don't know if you obviously you went. I think you guess you. I got the impression you probably just went straight to the pubs. So you probably weren't really on Twitter, but normally when I drive yeah. home, I look at my phone and there's like you know it's quite nice actually. I drive home, kind of leave my phone, um, and then open it up and. Um, there's nothing there. No tweets, mm. no comments, you know. Like Shrewsbury's interaction and the kind of has gone down. Fans, uh, I think, are resigned to this being a terrible season um, and people are switching off. You know, there's a lot of less interaction. Are you finding that as well, Glenn? I think people are, are just kind yeah. of resigned to a, a terrible season and 
what's the point? You, can't, you know, what are you going to say? A bit like this podcast when you know when we close the transfer window, we joke that what we're going to talk about every week. It's, it's. I think a podcast apathy, will probably get shorter and shorter. Apathy is more dangerous to our football club than anger is. I always think that if you've got angry people, you've got people who care. If you've got ap- apathetic people, you've got fans you're going to lose deep down, probably down the line, or they're just not going to come as much. And so, apathy is something that a football club should be much more wary of than anger. I think, and um, we're definitely entering an apathy phase um, for sure. And as I mentioned, crowds are eight hundred, nine hundred down. What are they going to be on our first Tuesday night game? You know, at home in a, in a, on, a, on a cold November night, it's going to get horrendous crowds. I reckon if this keeps up. So there's lots lots to worry about it. But I wasn't actually on the. I wasn't actually in the pub straight away. Ollie post-match, although I did eventually end up there for quite a long period of time. Um, I went round to meet um, a man called Dean Gripton. Um, now, he works for Sports Interactive, and his job is the head researcher for the Football League, um, for all the FL clubs, uh, for Football Manager. So I've mentioned on the podcast before I do the Football Manager research for Shrewsbury Town, so updating the database and, and rating the players and making sure all of the sort of uh, data is, is available for the next game, which is, I think, got six weeks until that's got to be finished. So what Dean does at this time of year is he tries to travel around the country, he goes to as many games as he possibly can and meets all the researchers from the EFL clubs. And I've never met him before, although I've been doing it 10 years our paths have never crossed really so um, it was a good chance to meet him but it was really good in some respects just to meet him and have a good chat with him he's a really nice guy but also just to kind of get a, a complete neutral's view on what he just witnessed in terms of that 1-1 game and the key takeaways from it was he was he, he couldn't believe how bad Cosgrove was and clearly this is a guy he's aware of as a, as a more wide down fan he was he was staggered how bad he was he, he thought that it was two poor teams and he thought that we both would be in allegation trouble, which I thought was interesting. Um, and yeah, he, he then asked me a series of series interesting questions about how much cash Steve Cottrell had in the bank with fans, because I think he detected the apathy as well a little bit. And um, yeah, I sort of had a good chat with him about that. We stood, stood there chatting for about half an hour, um, trying to put the walls to rights and stuff. And um, so yeah, nice, nice to meet you, Dean. If you're listening, he did say he might, he might listen in this week. Um, so that was interesting, just to get a, a neutral's view. But while I was there, one of the funniest things happened was uh, Brian popped out and we had a bit of a chat. He seemed in reasonable spirits considering what he just watched. Um, and then as I was standing there, all of the sponsors came out. We were sort of waiting there that long. And there's a guy called Rob, who, who I know. Um, and he's, I think he owns or is, or is one of the, the people that runs MCON, who are like the, the technology company that have got um, the sponsorship on the back of the home shirts. And as I was talking to Dean, and Brian was there as well, he came along and said, got a bone to pick with you. And basically, because I've been slagging off back of the shirt sponsors, haven't I? And particularly mentioning MCon and Jim Doricott, he was absolutely fuming about it. And then I did, t- I did manage to tell him it wasn't specifically about his business; it was about the whole principle of back of the shirt sponsorship. So uh, there we go. I managed to stand by the front of the stadium and get into trouble with a couple of people. So um, that's, that's not too bad, is it? But um, yeah, it was just interesting to get that. I say more interesting to get Dean's view, really. And um, yeah, he, he wasn't overly wasn't overly impressed with either team. It's, yeah, it's, it's not surprising, is it? I think if you no. want, if you want a challenge this year, Man and Shrewsbury Town. Um, though I guess yeah. you could, you do have the power then to sign some central midfielders, um, so obviously you can improve the team. But um, yeah, oh, yeah. So I imagine he'll be looking at your stats going with sort of a keen eye this time. Um, but to be fair, you, your stats are normally fairly fair, to be honest. Um, I've put in the game that whatever your transfer budget is, you're not allowed to spend 20% of it, you've got to leave it in the bank. So um, there we go, that's <laughs> like what we've done this yeah. season. But Maybe yes. some, uh, some uh, rules, <laughs> rules for managing troops, we, we have to go the cultural way. Um, but yeah, um, let, let's 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 kind of tick off this game. Um, I would mm. like to talk about BBC Shops before we close off, but um, let's do the top oh, threes. No. Do Steve Cottrell's comments, um, and then yeah, we'll talk about the, the post match. And I can talk about my my journey home, which was about as as um, as positive or as enjoyable as, as this game. Um, so you guys do your top three first. Who who did you go for? 
I'll start if you want. Um, yes, so I went for Vela, man of the match. Clearly our best player. We've been saying it week in, week out for quite a lot of this season, haven't we? He was the one to sort of keep driving us forward at times. There was one moment, second half, where he got the ball on the edge of our box when we'd been crap for about 15 minutes and he just ran through everybody. He was so he looked like he was furious with how bad we were playing. And to me, that shows uh, quite how his attitude must uh, feel about the rest of the lads when they're playing with that. But yeah, stood out to me as our best player during the whole game. Went for Wally second. You know, it was a good reintroduction to him into the team. Um, and I went for Pennington. I thought he played well at right back because he was out of position I didn't think he was awful in the second half back in his normal position um, so he went for him for third place what about you Mike? Yeah I went for Vela uh, man of the match I think at times it was a bit of a one man team he was you know, diving yep. into tackles picking up the ball driving forward passing it going for the return I thought he had a, he had a really good performance um, I went for Wally second because he never stopped running he was full of full of uh, you know driving runs and and somebody who, was, who clearly wanted to win the game he was trying um, and then I went for Bennett third because I thought he did okay centre mid first half and he swapped to full-back second half or you know, wing-back and he didn't really drop his performance. So it's difficult to play two positions in 90 minutes. So, um, yeah, that was my top three. I thought they were the standouts of a, of a poor game. I went for similar names. Uh, I went for Vela first and Bennett second and Wally third. And Bennington was really close um, to getting to my top three as well. But I thought I thought I had to give it to, to Wally. I thought he deserved it. But, yeah, Bennington was close for me. Um, and then in terms of manager comments, um, he, he was... He took I took offence to um, Stuart Dunn asking what was discussed at half time and went on this long strange rant about he hasn't got fifteen minutes he doesn't have a board and it's probably better if that remains private like uh, he, he he's he gets very triggered um, by any any kind of comment that isn't a a perfectly executed question or a question just take umbrage with so that was a bit odd um, but it wasn't his worst post match. Um, so yeah, he said you know it was a hard fought game. Draw was probably a fair result. I'm not quite sure if I agree with that. Second half, we you know we defended our goal really well, um, and then yeah, it was a poor time to concede. And went on this discussion about you know any times a bad time to concede. And then yeah, he, he thought the second half you know um, was the fruit of all the changes he made. So I understand you know the manager coming out you know it's, it's hard when when you haven't won again and he knows a lot of pressure on him. So I will take his comments with a pinch of salt, but. And not the best post-match again. Yeah, we didn't listen to it. I didn't listen to it, Mike. We were in the pub, weren't we? And uh, we're trying to stop thinking about Shrewsbury Town, so I'll, I will take your mm. uh, view on that one this week, Ollie. But um, I don't know. Do you want to moan about Radio Shropshire now, or do you want to talk about XG? <laughs> no, let's just talk about, yeah, BBC Shropshire. So I was um, in my car um, driving back um, from the game, um, and I had the unfortunate... Um, I was unfortunately following a horse box, but four cars behind of horse box. And I tried to count at one point as we went up a hill towards Much Wenlock how many cars behind me. And I reckon there might have been about 40 because we were doing oh 30 in, in, in that road to Bridge North, um, which you guys, you know, it's not, it's not, slow, it's not a slow road. Um, and then we found a truck, a tractor. So I had a tractor, for, um, the horse box following the tractor. Um, and then when I got to Enville, unfortunately, a pheasant um, had a bit of a moment and I, I think I killed a pheasant on the way home oh um, god so that was my journey <laughs> home but then I had to listen to that BBC is a metaphor Shropshire. for this season <laughs> yeah it is and then I had to listen to BBC Shropshire and I just want to put it on the record I feel really sorry for Mark Elliott I don't think any Shrewsbury fan phoned up <laughs> oh, and no. I had to listen to the Telford manager contradict himself about 10 times and whinge about covid and stuff and then say he's not trying to make excuses which i thought was quite frustrating then hmm. i had to listen to two telford fans talk about the game um then there was a few shooters with text messages there was the two interviews and then there was this filler at the end about you know giving your sports equipment to a to, for charity and hmm. i've have 
we know we've criticized BBC Shropshire in the past, but we haven't gone into too much detail. The old editor, I did send an email to, just kind of trying to prompt them a little bit to try and be a little bit better. Um, but I thought I'd, I did send an email to the current editor um, who decided who didn't bother replying to me, which I guess is her decision. But I thought after listening to this nonsense again this week, I felt like, I don't know, I felt like I needed to do something. And um, it was it's utterly appalling. There's absolutely no effort that goes into the show at all. I feel Mark is kind of like stranded on an island on himself. Um, if no one calls into him, he's got very little to work with. And yeah, it's just really poor, really, really poor coverage um, we get from BBC. Are they playing music, so, Ollie? The, I don't know. I didn't listen at half time, but not, not in the hour afterwards. Um, but actually, Good. the music probably would have been better. But um, yeah, an interesting <laughs> journey home anyway. Oh dear, yeah. I think we should definitely call this podcast Dead Pheasant Ollie and uh, yeah, see, see, see who comes on. I don't know, Glenn. I did like your title. What was the title you wanted to go for? 99 problems but a pitch ain't one yeah there we go because the pitch we have got a lot of problems the pitch is literally the best thing about the football club at the moment um there we go we'll, we'll have a chat but um oh yeah that, that didn't sound like the most exciting drive home to be fair ollie <laughs> um, and uh, it's never helped listening to a radio shop when we haven't had a positive result I, I can't believe that there wasn't the usual person that phones up saying hi mark yeah i wasn't at the game today but i uh, thought we were terrible and uh, it's like well great uh, well you're probably right but <laughs> you weren't at the game so it is tricky and like you know i often think why we don't have a phone into radio shop because we do this podcast and I used to go on quite a lot, didn't I? I used to do the fans of the day and stuff, but I, I feel now I get my, my venting yeah, out on here or to my mates at the pub, and if they, if no one phones up, what can they do? I guess that is pretty harsh, but if that's going to keep happening, then pre-record some stuff with fans. You know, God, we're available. Not, you know, we're available 24-7. We'll we'll do your 20 minutes of audio to cut into your short show every week. I won't charge you. It's it's fine no, if you need we, some we, help. We don't need to go on the show. We don't need to go on the, on the, on the show. Um, be facetious, Ollie, yes. A, I know, there's enough fans that can be doing something, but, <laughs> but it is poor, but anyway, they need to do something about it, because I saw, there was a, I saw interestingly, there was comments on, you know, on the, on the Facebook group talking about how poor it was, um, yeah, people were saying they don't listen anymore, and it's it's just a shame. It should be could be such a key place um, place in our um, in our kind of you know fan experience. Um, but anyway, just let's close that off. Uh, let's just close. The manager was talking about stats and stuff in the week, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, kind of, and it wasn't as bad as maybe it was made out on Twitter about what he was talking about. Um, there's a, there are some good stats for Shrewsbury. You know, we, we let the opposition pass the ball the least and when, when they build up an attack and a few other things. But I thought I'd just have a look at some of the XG numbers. Um, I know some people get quite scared of, of XG numbers um, and don't like them. But it is a good illustration of what's happened and it's good for trends. Um, but yeah, you know, we've, we've had seven games so far. Three of them, and we've won the XG. Um, and that was against Plymouth, um, against Gillingham. Um, and, and then um, we, had, we won it against... Um, against Burton Albion as well but obviously if you don't score it's kind of irrelevant but I was also looking at our shots percentages and yeah the first two games of the season Glenn, we had 10% of our shots on target this week, this weekend was a little bit better we got to 50 um, but this is a problem we have we are creating some chances but we're just not taking them and that's obviously another reason why you're so critical of Cosgrove yeah, it's the quality of strikers, isn't it, Mike? I think you would agree that we have a pretty low-quality bunch of strikers to take us through to January, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, who would you say the best one of the bunches? I mean, on paper, it's probably Bowman. Bowman, but yeah. But he's not hit the ground. He's had some injuries and things, so it's difficult for him to make a real impact. But he's not looked anything more than a physical striker who's going to occupy defenders and chip him with the odd goal. And after that, you've got Udo, Cosgrove, you know, Wally's played as a striker... Um, there's not a lot there. There's not a lot of proven goal scorers in that team that are going to dig us out of the hole, I think. And, you know, XG stats and shots on target and whatever, 
I don't I don't dig too much into them. I go on what I see on the pitch, and on the pitch we don't create much, we don't score much, and that's the that's the bottom line, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I I totally agree. With that stats are just another way of discussing the game. Signpost, you know, exactly. And and for me, it just backs up what we're seeing. Um, some, and then again, the reason why I brought this XG as well is that you know some fans are saying that we played well. You know, again, it was another game where um, Crew had one point six five XG and we had one point two eight. Um, obviously, yep. Cosgrove one had a really high XG because it was so close to the goal. Mm. Not the best, as I say. We haven't even mentioned Pike and all of that. You know, that's the quality of backup, and, and you know, we've got a, got a fairly big bunch of non-league strikers basically. And uh, Cosgrove, who's looking like a non-league striker, even though he should be a Championship striker by the sounds of it, and a seventy-year-old kid that could go on to do well. And Bowman, who I think, when he gets his fitness, should be a little bit of an answer to our accuracy in terms of shooting, because I think he's probably going to be one that's a bit more of a feel like he's a bit more of a poacher, a bit more more clinical than anyone else we've got at the club. We, we certainly know that Dan Odo is not clinical. He's whatever the the dif- whatever the dictionary definition of clinical is, Danado is completely the opposite of that. So um, yeah, it's not not a great bunch, and um, yeah, it'd be amazing if we do bring a, a free player in. It's another bloody striker. That would <laughs> that would be amazing because oh, we've, we've got enough striker, of them. That would be that would be a goalkeeper maybe or a striker. That's just what we need, isn't it? <laughs> well, it was it was funny on Saturday actually because um, Morosi went down with an injury, didn't he? First half, and obviously Burgoyne was suspended, so there was an outside chance that um, Cameron Gregory might have got a game in the football league at one point there. But um, luckily, Morosi seemed to shake that injury off, didn't he? So um, yeah, there we go. I don't know. That's another. It's another week that's gone. Um, Ollie, next week we're at Sheffield Wednesday, aren't we? Are we going to get smashed or not? Yeah, we are going to get smashed. So the next two <laughs> weeks again doesn't look. And this is what we were saying, weren't we? we were saying the the, the the fixtures get harder. So we've yep. got Wimbledon after Sheffield Wednesday. Um, yeah, it, Sheffield Wednesday is going to be tough. Um, yeah, they didn't have the greatest result this weekend, um, so no. that gives us some hope. Um, but yeah, you know, who would have thought that? You know, you, you, a lot of Tudor Town fans probably looked at the, the Wimbledon game as an opportunity to get something. But they started the season really well. Um, there was a, a few interesting results this weekend. Sheffield Wednesday lost three 0 to Plymouth away from home, so that maybe gives us some hope. And then in terms of our next game after that. Um, we've got Wimbledon, and they beat Morecambe four three. So that sounds quite an entertaining game. Obviously, game of the game of the weekend has to be Ipswich two, Bolton five, um, which is absolutely hilarious. Ipswich with all those players, um, and then Lincoln scored five against Cambridge. So yeah, it was a, a lot of goals in the, in the league yesterday. <laughs> More goals, more goals than us in one game. That's not fair. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. I did like the fact at one point during the game, Ronaldo, in his return to English football, had scored exactly the same amount of goals as we had this entire season. I thought that was uh, quite hilarious at one point. But obviously, we, we've gone on to get a third, haven't we? So anyway, there we go. Um, yes, I, I don't. I, I'm going to go to Sheffield Wednesday because I've not been there. Um, yeah, I think I'm we were, going as well. We, as I said last week, a bunch of us had, had planned a trip there previously. Mike was one of them. But, you know, the apathy that we've talked about and that, that sort of negativity that's seeping into fans, I'm the only one going now. I've got to drag the poor kids yeah. on again. So um, you won't be there. You couldn't, pay me to go, you couldn't pay me to go up there at the moment. It's a, that's a lot of cash thrown away on a very poor team that, you know, the chances of us getting a result on Saturday are pretty slim. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty die-in-the-wall town fan and I can think of better things to do. So it's, yeah, I, I think, you know, the club have got to be aware that, you know, even the, even the really staunch supporters are, are, have had enough. And I think it's 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 a long term problem from you know the minute Paul Hurst left the club, it's been a long yep. trudge basically. 
do you know what? It's funny you said that. One of the most died in the wall, hard to sh- hardcore Shrewsbury Town fans. Everyone sort of probably most Shrewsbury Town fans will probably be aware of anyway. Um, Aid Plymouth. So we walked up to the ground on Saturday, weren't we, Mike? And, and you were we were walking yeah. we were walking through three of our mates. Aid came across the road just by uh, the Paulhurst Way, and um, I dropped back and had a quick chat with him. He was mightily shipped off with the whole situation, and I'm not putting words in his mouth. And I did actually invite him on the pod in a few weeks' time, Ollie. So he'll probably come on, but um, he couldn't be more down about it. And it, and I just felt that vibe that long term down, you know, feeling from the poor her season. He, you know, it's affecting everybody who's even completely and utterly Shrewsbury Town all the way, bleed blue and amber. It just yeah. you can't keep doing this season after season and think that there won't be some effect on a football club. Well, didn't you say a few weeks ago, busy who's you know, probably yeah, one of you know, the most passionate of Town fans. I was getting really tired of this as well. It's um yeah, it's three years of the, of the same. That that stat that we've third of our games we haven't scored, only a third of the games we've won. That's how we feel all the time and mm. yeah, it's 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 really hard to get too motivated. Yeah. Uh, there you go, it's a it's a glass third full at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe that's what should be the title of the pod should be a glass third full. Well, like yeah, the way I feel, I wish I'd left my glass a third full of just beer and not drunk the full pint last night, but um, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's getting late and I've got to edit this podcast, so yeah, Christ, I need to go to sleep. So um, yes, thanks for coming on, Mike. It's been uh, it's been good to put the world to rights for you last night and uh, and tonight on the podcast as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll have you back on later in the season in, in better times, hopefully. Yeah, it's good to come on. It's cathartic as always, I find. You know, I feel a lot better after venting. You know, it's nice. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I, I did also say to Mike last night, Ollie, you know, you, you've got the, the patter of tiny feet coming soon, haven't you, in, in November time, and you might not be quite as available to do podcasts, so I, I, I've, no. I've given Mike a bit of a steer that you might need to help me out a little bit as we go through November and December, just to let sounds you like sleep a, a little plan. bit, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a good plan. Um, yeah, um, emotionally and, um, yeah, I don't <laughs> think, uh, yeah, physically and also, um, how do you put it, um, yeah, I think if I suggest doing a podcast, maybe at certain moments in time, I might get a look. I'm always a teacher, so she's well trained at that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Play that so, one yeah. carefully, Ollie. Yeah, very careful. <laughs> yeah, I just hope she's not on the other side of this door right now. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> no, it's um, yeah, looking forward to it. And yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you guys can carry on moaning about Shrewsbury Town in my absence. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be glad for the break at the moment in time, won't you? Well, it's coming. Yeah, I think I will actually, to be honest. <laughs> um, there we go. But, you know, you'll be calling your, your first son, Sam, after Sam Cosgrove, I'm sure. So um, that'll be a, a lovely moment for you. Um, but, yes, there we go. We shall be back next Sunday. I will be, I will obviously be limited. Well, you're going to, I didn't ask, yeah. actually. Are you going to Sheffield? Yeah, well, I did okay, say so I was we'll, going, but obviously you, you did, weren't listening. But, um, yeah, I am going. I will be going. It's... Yeah, it's, I'm going really because I've just never been there before. Nice to tick it off. That's about it, really. Much like my work Zoom calls, I don't listen to anything. Um, so, yes, there we go. I will see you. Well, I'll probably come and sit by you at, uh, yeah. at uh, Sheffield. And, yeah, we'll be back next week uh, to, to talk about that. And so, yeah, cheers for joining us, guys. And we'll be back next Sunday.